Hello there, Ruby fans, and welcome to another intimate episode of Ruby Redux. I'm your sultry host, Megan Salinas. No, not that one. The nerdy one that talks about cartoons and horror. Not the porn star. Now, as we get ready to talk about this episode, I am joined by a group of very, very sexy co-hosts. Let me go ahead and introduce them now. With me, as always, the wonderful Katie Cullen. It's so good to see you all here. Calling in from Los Angeles, the lovely Stacy Shuttleworth. Um, hello? Am I on the right show? Yes, yes you are. And calling in a long-distance connection, if you will is the fantastic Mark B. Donica. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> Look, Man. if you were going to break the mood, I was going to thank you for doing that. I mean, one of two things. Like, I was going to do one of two things. Either the thing that Stacy did, which nailed it, or, like, the uh, the failed attempt. It was beautiful, and I loved it. Though, at the same time, if that did anything for anyone... I'm going to close my DMs. <laughs> I Don't. felt like my introduction was a little too soon to go, hi, guys. Honk. <laughs> well, honk, honk, goose. <laughs> I'm glad that you broke the tension, Mark, because I am real sick of this bit already. I was going to say, so. I'm, re- I'm still really tense. <laughs> um, I have to apologize, everybody. Um, my voice gave out on me a couple days ago. I think I came down with a cold over the Thanksgiving break, and my voice is just not lasting. So uh, it was either like an ASMR intro or sultry porn star voice, and I I decided to go with porn star voice. So thank you for indulging me. (laughs) We have no video components, so I would like you all to know that with the exception of my introduction, I have been silently dying (laughs) the entire time she uses that voice. Uh, but yeah, so I'm gonna honestly probably be keeping my commentary to a minimum. I've got a nice hot toddy, uh, pulled up with me. So I'm just going to take a seat on the shipping shelf and, uh, sit down under a blanket with my hot toddy and just sort of enjoy for the rest of the episode. I hope that's cool with everyone. Is there an elf there with you on that shelf watching your sins and reporting to Santa? (laughs) No, after after that introduction, it, wouldn't it be a MELF on the shelf? Hey! <laughs> At yeah. which point the elf reports its own sins to Santa mm. and summarily gets fired. Y'all are killing me. Mm. Okay. Hi, everybody. Uh, yes, welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux. Um, <laughs> this, this was a, uh, a really fun episode. And so once again, I apologize for my voice. I'm going to do my best to power through. You're fine. Let's go. <laughs> let's get right to it. This was a fun episode. So yeah, let's go around and give our initial thoughts. I thought this was really fun. Anytime we have a montage in an episode, it's a good time. Uh, what were your thoughts on today's episode? Let's go ahead and start with Mark. So last episode, uh, Megan, I believe it was you that mentioned one of your things that you always notice about the intro. And the, one of the yep. things that I remember talking about earlier on was uh, James and Oscar having the fight. And as I kept yep. as I kept watching it and kept watching it, I was like, that really looks like the danger room. 
and 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 yes! at, at the beginning, oh, I'm like, so glad we're not the only ones calling it the danger room. And is there another name? As as the the intro was going, I I turned to my wife and I was like, "Look, I just want to say this before this episode. I've been thinking that they're probably going to get in an all out drag out fight, but the specific animation where like they there's the pause. It's like strike and then like reset. Ultimately, was like." Oh no, they're just training. Cool. I feel better about this scene. And then we got that scene. <laughs> uh I w- I was like, "Oh, I'm happy I said something. Thank God." Um and I didn't want to say that last episode either just because people go, "Hey, wait a minute." But um <laughs> I I like this episode for many reasons and it also made me wary for other reasons that I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah, it was a fun episode, but there's definitely an undercurrent of anxiety for oh. sure. Stacy, how about you? Yeah, we really hit a lot of beats with this episode. Uh, I mean, come on, power montage with a great song to go with it, uh, which I am finding and making my ringtone as soon as possible. (laughs) It was so good. Oh, so good. Uh, So the fun, I mean, it's always fun. And it's always fun to see growth and to see them working hard, but also still staying true to what Ruby is. And you know what? If that's a power ballad or a power song in the background, great. 100% concur. Katie? It's a rare and special occurrence when a Ruby episode ends with me yelling, fuck you at the screen. But, uh, oh boy, did we ever get that. That was, uh, that was an ending, you guys. (laughs) Um, I feel like the previous episode and this episode are two very good bridge episodes like when we sit down and watch this season as a whole those are going to be the episodes that bridge us between larger set pieces and despite the fact that this episode had a ton of stuff in it it was very masterfully handled we've had conversations about the pacing in this season before and again i think this particular episode was very well paced we got a lot of information we got some character building we stopped to make fun of marrow because i guess that's just what we do this season and it it was just it was all very well done and we got that nice little speech at the end that makes me want to throw a trash can at a screen with someone's face on it so i guess i get it <laughs> that guy was so strong he's strong <laughs> um so yeah let's let's go ahead and get right into it since we were talking about the montage let's talk about that montage uh, cuz we have everybody basically going out on various missions and um, very much ingratiating themselves into the swing of things as, um, you know, the, their, their, the way they team up with the Aesops uh, and their various missions. Jean seems to be pretty popular with the moms of the PTA. And, <laughs> um, and yeah, it, like... This was a great montage, not only in the way they they interact and play off of the Aesops, but also getting to see some familiar faces um, and, yeah, getting introduced to what is essentially the Ruby Danger Room. Uh, what stood out the most to you? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Team Funky! Yeah, Team yeah. Funky's back! <laughs> they're back and they're so cool! <laughs> 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 Did Neon. we ever get a name for the one with the whip? No. We we know that that's the Y in Team Funky. The I. Because they mentioned I. Oh, I'm sorry. That's fine. Oops. Wait, we did get the I. 
We know that's a, that's the vowel in Team Funky. <laughs> what was it, Stacy? I don't remember now. But I just watched it. <laughs> okay, some somebody go on a wiki dive while we're here. Uh, I'm too I'll busy look. talking with my hands. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I agree with you one hundred percent. It was so good to see Neon back, and it was so good to see Flint. Cole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, go for it. What kills me is that at the end of it, when they're just talking, Flint just empties his spit valve on the floor, and they animated that. Like, oh, that's gross! I I'm didn't notice dying. that. Dying. That is. <laughs> that, is that is such. Not only is that such a brass section move, that is such a trumpet player move. So, Katie, I'm guessing that's what stood out to you the most about this montage. No. <laughs> No, that's the bit that, that that wasn't part of the montage. That was afterwards. That yes. was afterwards. That was just me going, okay, wow, I'm having flashbacks to an activity I didn't even participate in. Uh, <laughs> when you have a lot of friends in marching band, you hear a lot of things. What I really loved, I, I just, I loved how well the scenes that we saw went with the voiceover essentially i loved how we had accompanying scenes for everything i love the little details of nora playing with ren's braid of your free time is your own do what you need to do and it's ruby and yang doing sister bonding by hunting down grim like i just i just enjoyed the montage overall but it was really the details that worked for me Mark, how about you? Man, that song rules, doesn't it? Yeah! So good! Also, I'm doubling down on my theory of Jean being the, uh, as Katie put it, the knight in shining armor last episode, because those moms were, <laughs> like, I don't know if there's any sort of liquid shortage, but they looked thirsty as hell. <laughs> That's an understatement. Casseroles made of love. I think we really are going to kill Megan this episode, and I, I humbly apologize <laughs> for that. But um, yeah, tell I mean, my story. Also, <laughs> <laughs> tell it yourself. You're gonna be fine. The um, I like the new meme that we got of Jean holding up a stop sign. I think that's gonna become very helpful. It is needed. <laughs> I I like the little blips that we got in the in the danger room with Ruby and the Aesops. I think like as much and like Team Funky. Yes, 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 yes. Um. <laughs> Because I, rem- I remember uh, asking Meg about it, and she's like, eh, we're probably never going to see her again. Um, so I'm I'm really happy that that this is the case. Um, but the the training between the Aesops and, uh, and Team Ruby with Harriet and Ruby spinning around and trying to figure out exactly what her speed means. Um, man, I thought that the scene with Yang and, and uh, Neon couldn't get any better. And then we thrust Nora into the role. And also the fact that Neon just rolled into having a black eye and was like, yeah, that's what comes with it. But I get to, I still get to be an annoying prick. She was so excited about that black eye. like Yeah, dude. Oh, you, you flipping her. walloped me, dude. It was awesome. <laughs> also, Nora riding her hammer like a broomstick. Yeah. Yes. Here for that. Yes. Yeah. I'll be honest. I wasn't super fond of Neon the first time we we met her Boo. because she basically well no she made a fat joke to Yang. Mm, fair. I I wasn't super. I wasn't really a fan of that. But like getting this little extra bit from her, I've completely done a one eighty because she does that 
specifically to to get under people's skin and then she gets punched in the face and goes awesome so she's when she makes those comments she's looking for a fight she's looking to get punched in the face um so like i i think that that reinforced to me that her comments aren't made to be mean-spirited that they're made to be in good fun and that like they exist to get a good fight out of somebody rather than to just, you know, be mean and bully someone. So it like for me, the intention behind her comments completely changed when I saw how happy she was with that black guy. Yeah, she's she's goading people. Yeah, she's the person that's way too comfortable with somebody as soon as they meet like you know how you have to build up a rapport with somebody to feel comfortable making fun of them she just does it yeah she's ready from uh the get-go yeah (laughs) um but yeah this whole this whole montage was so so good um i think the thing that stood out the most to me actually it was just a small moment but it was that moment where after marrow took you know jean's coffee that first time around jean kind of learning and picking up on it and coming back the next time with two cups of coffee Mm. and just how happy they were they all were you know it's one of those things where it's like i hope marrow doesn't betray our team because you know i i look at this and i'm like oh man he really does look like he's making an effort to be friends with these kids. Please, please, please don't be a traitor. Please, I'm begging you. Hmm. We can only help. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, but as you pointed out, Mark, uh, some of those moms definitely look like they had eyes for Jean. So I'm going to use this opportunity to slide us on over to the shipping shelf. Hey. Oh, boy. Join me over here. I promise I'm not contagious, probably. I'm just going to look up from down here. Settling in. No, no. Shipping (laughs) is always contagious. Get up here, Mark. This is probable canonical shipping, Mark. You can come hang out. We're moving the elf, and you now have a place on the shelf. Let's go. (laughs) I am no replacement for the mouth on the shelf. We have hot toddies up here. Ooh. I am not going to sit up on a shelf precariously with a very hot beverage. Y'all can do that. I'm I'm going to be down here. Your loss. Yeah, I'll be down here. Like, I'll take part in the conversation, but you guys stay up there on the shelf. <laughs> but down there, you're more likely to get something spilled on you. You may as well be up here. I'm in the consp- conspiracy corner uh, right across the way. Don't worry. I can still hear you guys. He's got, like, an umbrella. <laughs> Slowly upends cup. More like a shield against the ships. I'm, I'm sure that he's got all sorts of things underneath the bar over there. He's prepared for every and any scenario. Oh, don't worry. He'll come over here eventually. Soon you will see things our way, Mr. Donica. The greater good. The, the greater, greater good. good. <laughs> Um, all the right. shipping shelf. The, the shipping, shipping shelf. shelf. <laughs> um, okay. the same, really. Let's start it off with our bumblebee moment. 
because uh, when the the girls are out on a mission with Marrow, he suggests that they pair up with someone else. And for the first time in a good long while, we see Yang use her semblance out of what seems to be annoyance and anger, which is something that she normally, over the last few seasons, has moved past. And so, Stacy, what was your reaction during this uh, during this scene where Mero suggested that maybe they're not as compatible as they think that was definitely a very aggressive oh i don't think so move <laughs> it was uh yeah she seemed pretty like provoked about <laughs> being told that <laughs> that her you know teamwork wasn't compatible and that it you know of course especially her and blake were not compatible because we all know that's not true it definitely screamed, you don't know me. <laughs> Have you ever thought about branching out? Who, with you? Mm, please. <laughs> it was, good. It was a very flashy, like, fiery moment out of her that, yeah, we haven't seen her tip over into kind of sudden reactions like that for a while. It, it was definitely a power move for sure. Katie? It was a really great bitch you thought moment. (laughs) It was a hundred percent like, no, no, we're going to make a point here. And it was absolutely beautiful. And I really do think it made that point. Like, let's just explode half a dozen Grimm right in front of him and see how he reacts. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. You know what, to Mero's credit, though, he did concede very quickly. He was like, oh, no, you're right. Carry on. (laughs) I mean, he's dumb, but he's not an idiot. (laughs) Mistakes were made. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) like, uh, advice rescinded. No, you guys are fine. (laughs) It's like, okay, I obviously didn't have the context for literally anything. Um, I just, I, again, I, I just worry that, um, you know, Marrow's gonna get fed up and, uh, eventually with all these, like, little tiny indignations, <laughs> um, that's more what I'm concerned about. But no, this was a fun Bumblebee moment. We've gotten a lot of cute Bumblebee moments. This was a, a fun, like, like, girl, you don't know moment. I, I appreciated it. It was a fun, sassy bit. Um... Let's, uh, in terms of uh, shipping stuff, I do want to talk about Jean being kind of the MVP um, for all these PTA moms, though, because, like, it was really cute, but, like, um, ultimately we know he, like, romance doesn't seem to be on Jean's mind almost, like, at all since Pira died, And obviously he still has feelings for Weiss if what happened in volume five is any indication. But like when, you know, Jean getting all of this extra attention from other women, like, is that even something that he's going to be remotely interested in, like at all over the next couple of years? Because like when you lose somebody important to you, it can take a long time before you're ready to move on. And so I want to ask, uh, at some point, is this kind of, is this just played up for laughs? Or ultimately, are we going to see some movement on the will they, won't they for Jean and Weiss? Let's go ahead and start with Katie. 
I think this particular bit was definitely played up for laughs. Because like, oh, it's the moms hitting on the young, handsome huntsman who is escorting their children. Ha ha ha, it's hilarious. He's got a whole stack of empty Pyrex containers in his room because they keep giving him casseroles and Nora keeps eating them. Like, (laughs) this part was played up for laughs. Mark, have you taken off your headphones? I mentioned Nora and you didn't say anything. I've just been waiting for my turn. (laughs) I was going to say... I was going to say... That was the litmus test. Mr. Donica, uh, I wasn't sure, like... I mean, the bit's you, over. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to chime in? Did you, you have say a, that. Did you have thoughts on the Bumblebee moment? I don't want to interrupt Katie. I, I want to I let her finish before I go. Great. I think this particular scene was played up for laughs. I don't really see... Now that Jean has taken a couple of levels in actual honest-to-God maturity, I don't really see anything with Weiss going anywhere. For one, we haven't even come close to mentioning it since the fall of Beacon. And for another, I I don't know if he actually liked Weiss or if he just liked the idea of Weiss. And I think it was more of the latter And I think that's something that he kind of left behind when he grew up. Like, if we wind up with chemistry between the two of them, it's going to be coming from a completely different angle, and it's going to be a lot more organic. Uh, Mark, sorry, I sort of skipped over you with the Bumblebee (laughs) bit, because I just sort of assumed that you uh, broke your computer and ran away. (laughs) Oh, no, you would know. You'd hear it. (laughs) Witness me. (laughs) <laughs> um in terms in terms of the the bumblebee stuff i think we're getting a little bit more of a i think we'll get more of yang sort of getting fired up no pun intended and blake being the one who's like what are you what are you doing like s- similarly to what we got last season sort of in the cabin and everybody like everybody's still kind of working through their stuff and maybe it's just good it, it a little bit it becomes a little bit more comfortable but i'm i'm more wondering if they're gonna play up and and this may be sort of minimalist of me but i wonder if they're gonna do anything with marrow being a dog faunus and blake being a cat faunus i wonder if they're just they're not gonna like do like an overly bit sort of a thing where like they growl and snarl at each other but more of just like their personalities don't mesh like i, I wonder if they're just gonna use that overarching idea of dogs and cats not getting to getting along and making that sort of a character trait of the two of them that's that's sort of more of what i pulled from that scene and in terms of jean i haven't thought about him and weiss being a thing in a very long time and i don't think I, I agree with Katie. I think this thing with the moms was sort of just for laughs. But I, I similar to what I thought in the last episode, that he's just going to be seen as a respectable figure in Mantle. And maybe he's just going to be somebody that the people inherently trust because they trust him with their children. And in terms of him and Weiss, I think they'll, similarly to what we had in the end of, of sort of people finding their own way, they... They've been around each other. There hasn't been necessarily any awkwardness, but I think it's going to be more of a, hey man, look at, look at where we are and, and look at, excuse me, look who we've become. And I think there's just going to be more personal growth and acknowledgement of each other as people and not necessarily as romantic interests sort of a thing. I would have to sort of concur with that. Like, if it happens, it's going to be very casually and very organically. Um, I like, although for for me, 
with how much they're leaning into Bumblebee, I, as much as I'm enjoying it, I would like it to be officially canon. I mean, it's kind of like all, it's canon in everything but name at the moment. I would like it to be officially canon by the end of the season. Maybe that's yes. selfish of me, but like I would like it to officially be canon by the end of the season. Um, we're pretty much there. I know, but like I'm ready it's not to be Facebook there. Official. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for it to be Facebook that's official. The step we need. I believe the phrase is now kiss. <laughs> um, but yes, Stacy, what are your thoughts on uh, Jean and whether or not he'll have any romantic interests in the future, or if that's not the arc where we're going for? And that was not a pun. I apologize to everyone. <laughs> pretty good. Sure. Pretty good. <laughs> I'm not expecting to see a Jean romance with one of the PTA moms. <laughs> I don't think we're going down that road. Oh, God. <laughs> however, no. Uh, however, I do think that uh, it might, yeah, mostly played for laughs. However, having him kind of see this positive attention, he hasn't gotten very much, like, swooning reinforcement which is now a thing that I <laughs> uh, But yeah, I don't think he's been ever seen himself from an outsider's perspective, really, in this way that now we see these PTA moms showering affection on him and like clearly kind of idolizing him. And I imagine the kids are pretty hype on him, too, as far as him being their hero and their protector. So I do think that while well, this is all very silly and, oh no, Jean kind of got screwed over by having to walk the children to school, it's probably a pretty good confidence boost that he could really use, too. Yeah, as as much fun as it is as a visual gag, I do think that it's going to be a legitimate plot point. So <laughs> I agree with you there. He rallies the PTA moms oh. <laughs> to fight the groom. <laughs> They all, all those PTA moms join the happy huntresses by the end of the season. I'm God, yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm into it. They try to recruit Jean. <laughs> no, that's fine. You could be a happy huntress too. <laughs> I mean, Forrest, you know, God rest his soul, <laughs> or brothers rest his soul. Whoa. That's definitely what he wanted. <laughs> I mean, look, if Artemis could have at least one dude hunter in her regimen, we can have a guy in the happy huntresses if it's Jean. Of course. Of course. Gender ain't no thing. Just if it's Jean. Only Jean. (laughs) Only Jean. Gender ain't no thing. It's not a big deal. Exactly. (laughs) It is a human construct. Um, This is true. Anyway, um, uh, like, we're still, these, uh, like, we, we've got a couple other things we want to cover, um, but I feel like this one definitely fits into the shipping shelf. I want to talk about Clover and Crow. Yeah. Hello, yes. <laughs> um, because they have a very interesting heart to heart and same deal as before um, when I was talking about like they're like the show is very much leaning into Bumblebee. The show is also very much leaning into Clover and Crow. And I don't know if there's an official or, you know, a fandom official ship name as of yet. I'm sure there is. I don't know what it is. Uh, everyone, please send us the, the <laughs> your your pitches for the ship name. I need to know. Um, and the fan art and the fanfic and, you know, what, whatever else. All of it. All of it. All of it's fine. All of it. Here. 
But even even if you don't like I definitely look at it through a shipping lens. But ultimately, even if you don't like this is definitely positive emotions that like Crow has been desperately needing for I think a good long while. And so, yeah, what did we think of this? Let's go ahead and start with Mark. You had to. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was a big fan of the scene. I I I think my favorite part, and I think most people's favorite part, was don't deflect a compliment because I think that's a message for most people. Is a lot of people don't know how to take compliments. Just there's a lot of not not self hate, but it's sort of a making fun of oneself to just sort of kind of ease the tension because there's a lot of tension in the world today. But I, I think it was just a wonderful thing to put in there of, you know, pe- people of all ages sort of watch these things. And if the young ones, God bless them, are watching this, take a compliment. Like, I, every, everybody needs to hear it. But it, it's th- th- this was a very important scene for all watching it. Yeah, I think it's a very millennial and very Gen Y thing. Um or Gen Z. I don't know what the the thing right after millennial is. I think it's Gen Z. Yeah. Um, But I feel like because the world is in such a dark place right now, that self-deprecating humor is a method of coping. Um, And it's not necessarily the most healthy way to cope. And so being self-deprecating is a very millennial thing. And I, I have to agree with you, Mark. It's not necessarily the best thing. Learn to take a compliment, for sure. Uh, Stacy, what are your thoughts on this uh, this interaction between bad luck and good luck? I mean, it's so easy to talk down on yourself, to, ma- to try to make light of your flaws. That's, you know, what we tend to see most frequently. And with Crow, that is exceedingly true. And he spent his whole life perspective perfecting the art of talking down on himself and lowering expectations and getting others around him to lower their expectations so now twice in this volume we have seen this look of open almost awe on his face when someone is treating him like he could be a good person like he could be a positive influence on the world and that just it warms my heart because he deserves to have someone who you know people around him who give him that positive influence and we i mean ruby is constantly looking up to him and idolizing him but i don't think that hits the same way as it would from someone who is almost a complete stranger yeah i mean his niece is always going to give him that positive reinforcement because she's he's her hero but yeah to hear that from somebody you just met who just looking at you at a very surface level is like yeah you seem a decent guy. Like, that's got to do a lot for a guy who has been down on himself for a long time. Yeah, I don't think it's a judgment he's gotten very frequently. Not in any small part from him, you know, actively trying to make himself look bad in any situation. This is the first time he's trying to actually impact positive change. I mean, we also have to keep in mind, this is a guy who his twin sister tried to kill him <laughs> not that long ago oh no i'm not saying by any fault of his own like this is <laughs> no and and i'm not saying that she was also putting you know in her a game for that i don't think her heart was really in it but like 
you know, from his perspective, the one person in the world who is a one, a reflection of how uh, of himself because they're twins. And then two, just, you know, generally speaking, because their family tried to murderize him. And so I imagine that on top of all the other stuff he's had to deal with in life. Yeah, his self-esteem was at an all-time low um, by the time we got to the apathy, which, again, that could have taken a very, very dark turn, and I'm glad we didn't go there. It already took a lot of dark turns. It just didn't take the darkest one. (laughs) For sure. Uh, Katie, your thoughts on uh, Clover and Crow? Because we are in the shipping corner. This shit is my jam, my jelly, my apple butter, and my marmalade. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. I went back and rewatched just like this. Are you okay? You gonna die? I killed Megan. You broke her. We're on the same audio tracks. Just wait. Yeah. This, I went back and rewatched this scene because I love it so much because this is just, ah, and for anyone who's been following my Red vs. Blue journey and is like, oh, you're a big Agent Washington fan, aren't you? Yeah, it turns out that my jam is broken-ass people with extremely low self-esteem who are also extremely competent, getting, having friendlier people get under their skin and tell them, hey, no, take a compliment. You're better than you think you are. People still like you despite the fact that you are broken. Like, ah! I love it. <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> It is an extremely specific jam, but god damn, I love it. <laughs> and getting it in canon, and Crow getting the, like, like Crow's self-esteem is fucking busted, let's be real. And he has been, he's, he considers himself cursed, he has been called a curse, and so t- it's telling someone, telling a peer, telling the head of the elite hunter squad of all of Atlas telling him, yeah, no, my semblance is bad luck. And instead of someone recoiling or going, oh, that's terrible. And he's just like, yeah, and mine's good luck. Turns out we balance each other out. Holy shit, let's keep moving. (laughs) So just having someone not treat him like he's carrying the Black Plague or something like that, having someone still stick with him and being secure in the knowledge that this person just being here balances out my just being here, like, Guys, oh my god, I love it so much, so much. I'm going to be real sad when Clover eventually dies. Don't even joke about that. No. It's going to happen. You stop. That was unkind. He is too good for this world, It's and Crow doesn't get to be happy. It's going to happen, guys. Let Crow be happy. <laughs> Crow doesn't get to be happy. It's part of having bad luck. Clover's here to cancel out the bad luck. I have a very specific jam, and it's often ruined by just circumstances. <laughs> so I'm kind of expecting that to happen because Ruby lets us be happy sometimes, and sometimes it's like, actually, fuck all of your feelings. So I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I'm shutting this down. <laughs> I've ruined Megan like tonight. Anymore. I'm shutting this down. I can't hear any more talk about how Clover's going to die. I refuse. So we're moving on. <laughs> we're moving on to the final portion of the shipping shelf uh, before before we move on to our next topic. And that is, of course, Penny and 
Ruby spending time together. That's right. We're going to talk some nuts and dolts for a little bit. Um, you guys think this was sh- this was goes on the shipping shelf? I think this was a like if they had moved the camera a little bit to where Penny was kind of looking directly down the barrel and looking at the audience, like, yeah, that's right. It's just us, two friends hanging out in a work situation <laughs> professionally, like friends do. Friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> Wasn't that her dialogue? I thought I wrote it down pretty word for word. Oh, why is everyone saying things that kill me tonight? Uh, so, because you are easily killed. Oh, dear. Uh, are, okay, to be fair, though, we're regular ass humans. I think everybody... All right, let's just not... <laughs> we're, we're all squishy humans. I don't want to get out in the grapes on this. We're all squishy humans. <laughs> also, I have... Several conflicting reports on the ship name for Crow and Clover. Um, thank you to everyone on Twitter who responded in less than five minutes. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, Alexis, who is at Kablob Alex, says, I don't know what the other responses have been, but everyone on Tumblr is using fair game. Whereas Drew Garrison, Jarshi, and Ebony B have all informed me it is Lucky Charms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like them both. I do too. But fair game is amazing. <laughs> and we have Annabella Col- uh, Colangelo saying fortune's favor. Ooh, Ooh. I like Lucky Charms. I are magically delicious. I always appreciate alliteration. Um, but uh, but yeah, they're all good. They're all good. I don't think Lucky Charms works because it's only giving like access to. I just see Clover. I don't see Crow in that scenario. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, so to to get back to uh, Penny and Ruby, Mark, based on what you were saying, then you you uh, you view this very much as just like again, Penny's just excited to see her friends and to interact with people, mostly because Ironwood straight up told her that she doesn't have time for friends anymore, which is. Mm. I, I think, well, I mean, this was just, I think this was, that that was sort of like a, pat, not necessarily a pat on the head, but sort of like, hey, friends. But like, ultimately, I think the purpose of this scene was to give more credence and more evidence for being friends with the people you work with and what that does to strengthen the work relationship and the out of work relationship, no matter what level of relationship it is, friendly, acquaintance, romantic, whatever. I think there's just going to be a lot of versions of that type of a uh, grouping of what happens when you trust somebody. Like, I think the theme of this entire season is going to be trust. And that has to do with the whole friendship thing that we got last episode. I think that's actually a pretty good assessment. Uh, Stacy, what did you think? Yeah, I absolutely agree with Mark. I think we got a lot of examples of watching their teamwork and friendship succeed through this and i think penny is just so excited to have her friends and to have ruby back specifically Uh, although i think it's funny uh, a little bit that the dynamic between penny and ruby has shifted and so far we've seen ruby be a lot more like i guess tired she's more subdued now which makes sense given what we've been through in the past few volumes. 
And so now Penny's over-enthusiasm feels a little bit like it's over-enthusiasm to Ruby, too. Not unwelcome over-enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Except when she is about to, like, she's seen her entire life flash before her eyes because she's about to get hugged to death. <laughs> I mean, Penny has two modes, dead and cranked up to 11. <laughs> So rude! Yikes. <laughs> Yikes! Rude, Miss Cullen! I've spent this entire night being rude. How is this new? I'm gonna push you off the shelf. How is this new? See, this is what you're not welcome. This here. is why I didn't get on the shelf. <laughs> we would have pushed you off a while. I know what I did. Um, no, I I have to I have to agree with you guys. It's just so. It, like Ruby does seem more subdued, but um, but also this is kind of like the like we we've seen like glimpses of it and everything in the previous in the last volume, but like this is the first time in a good long while that we really get to see Ruby be like early volume Ruby, where in in the last episode she was joking about going undercover, and here she's the only one that's happy to jump out of bed and um you know jump up and down with penny talking about you know how excited they are for the day ahead and how like everybody else is falling asleep looking at the mission board and ruby's still there like happy and excited like this is the most i even though she is more subdued than she used to be given everything they've gone through it's still Ruby being Ruby, and Penny is one of the people that she can really, like, that brings out that side of her again. Um, and so I think being reunited with her friend has done kind of wonders for how, like, it's an example of, like, we thought we lost someone, and we didn't. Like, this person that I cared about is still alive, and... You know, that that lessened the blow of the grief that they've been carrying with them for the last few volumes. It doesn't bring Pyrrha back, but like, it's, you know, they didn't lose everything they thought they did. And that's something to be celebrated. Um, and also, like, this moment with Penny, too, it, it really displayed a lot of growth, too, because she's struggling, you know, with the thing that a lot of, you know, people have to struggle with what she's struggling with is a very human struggle and that's i am conflicted between what i need to do and what i want to do is that a normal thing and to have ruby affirm that yes of course that's normal because being human is a series of contradictions um it was really great that is the millennial experience <laughs> essentially <laughs> But I do appreciate that, one, that they're able to have these conversations and that Penny is coming to Ruby for stuff like this. Like, Ruby is the person where Ruby is her friend, where she can sit down and say, hey, I'm feeling this thing. Is that normal? Or, hey, this is a thing that's occurring. So how about that? Like, Ruby is the person she has where she can sit down and hash things out with them. And you you need someone your own age range, your own maturity level, your own whatever, to be able to have that conversation with. And sadly, Penny has very few of those people because you don't have time to have friends is kind of a horrifying thing to say. And I think that also speaks a little more to last uh, last episode I talked about. 
Ironwood being a little more pragmatic and not quite understanding how the softer side of things, how soft skills, how reputation, etc., really do affect things. And I think that him saying that to Penny is an extension of that. I don't think it's malicious on his part. I think it's him legitimately not really understanding how important having friendships is for literally anyone, let alone someone of Penny's age. Yeah, it's it's important for everybody. Uh, speaking of Ironwood, uh, I know that we like to refer to him here on, again, this very intimate episode of Ruby Redux. We like to call him Iron Daddy. But in this episode, looking at him and Oscar in the danger room, he's more like an Iron Papa. And as we <laughs> as we as we say here on Rooster Team Radio, uh, hashtag go to our T public, hashtag only papas. Papas <laughs> only. Papas, papas only on this final channel. destination. Uh, and on that note, guys, if you haven't already done so, we'd like to tell you how about the various ways you can support this podcast. If you haven't already done so, guys, it means the world to us, to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate and leave a comment. We love hearing from you. And we also love being able to give people shout outs on the show. We are recording this not long after we recorded the last episode. So we don't have any new iTunes uh, reviews to, to go ahead and shout out. But if you leave a comment on iTunes, we will, we will give you a shout out because it does mean the world to us and it helps make us more searchable on our new platform. It's the best. But there are other ways you can support us too you can uh support us with a subscription on anchor that um that helps us out on a monthly basis you can go to as i mentioned before if you want to show everybody about how only papas uh, are allowed on this channel you can go to our t public store and buy t-shirts of the thing of the very silly things that we say and uh, doing things like that, helping to support us in that way, helps us have time to record uh, these shows. And it helps us have time to sit down and write more episodes of Welcome to Vale if there's interest there. And um, yeah, it really does help us out a lot when you support us, when you support our sponsors. It, it really means the world to us. So we want, and also we have an awesome Discord filled with awesome people who have awesome theories, who share awesome fan art. And it's just all together a really fun time. And if you join that Discord, a lot of times you can stay up to date on like, announcements that we make uh we always let our the folks in our discord know ahead of time when we post an episode before we put it out on twitter so guys if you want to be the first in the know go and join that discord and go chat with all the awesome people who are there we love those guys and it's so so much fun so again Thank you guys, no matter what way you support us, whether it's just listening or spreading the word or leaving a comment, or if you're, if you're a part of our community, it really means the world to us. So thank you so, so much. Okay, let's move on to our next topic. Guys, while all this great character building stuff is happening, we actually end up getting introduced to a new character. We've been speculating about her since episode one. And now we finally get, you know, several episodes later, we finally get introduced to the one, the only Robin Hill and her happy huntresses. Woo! Bow, bow, bow. 
Um, and I gotta say, she makes one heck of a first impression. What were your initial thoughts about the way this character was introduced? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. I can see why people are flocking to join the Happy Hunters. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I'm there. I thought we were off the shipping shelf. <laughs> Where can I sign up to join her army? I, I she everywhere. I just she can be everywhere. <laughs> everywhere that huntresses are found. <laughs> I think that we had a very strong introduction to her. Uh, I think this scene did a really good job of setting up her, you know, particular concerns, setting up her morals and the way that she is willing to go out there to make sure that her vision of the world is, is kind of maintained and that her priority is mantle. She has a very clever kind of way about her. And I think we saw that showcase with the, with the banter back and forth with Clover. Yeah. What I appreciate anytime a show has an antagonist and not saying that she'll always be an antagonist but I always appreciate when shows have an antagonist that have legitimate points of view who aren't just evil for the sake of being evil she had she her heart is in the right place and she's making really good points you absolutely understand her perspective and why she's willing to go to the lengths that she's willing to go to, especially knowing that Ironwood hasn't divulged the truth to the world yet. So, yeah, this was a very great introduction to her and basically everything she stands for and the sort of methods she's willing to go to to accomplish her goals. Uh, Mark, what did you think of Robin? So it, it, this is an interesting scene. I adored this scene for many reasons because it was a mirror of the one that we got between Ruby and Ironwood early on. We knew that Ruby was withholding information and because we've been through them with all of this, that withholding was for the greater good. And we are led to believe right now with our the current state of the Aesops that this is also for the greater good. We know that the, the relaunching of Amity Arena will be something that helps the world and right now, the less people that know about it, the better. However, uh, more the more people sneaking around, that's that's a bad idea. But uh, with with Robin specifically, I I think just the way that she deals with that, or rather, that people deal with her, she seems like somebody that everybody who can identify with the greater good understands that she is in it for the greater good my favorite part was how tense the whole discussion between her and clover was and then at the very end clover turning back around and go and going seemingly wholeheartedly and it felt very genuine good luck with the election and that like that sort of finished the ground laying the groundwork of what the relationship between the government and the people kind of is. And and that was, that's another tier to this conversation is it's not just two people, but it's the people versus the establishment and Robin's representation of the establishment. I just want to see more. I want to see more of her because I don't think we got nearly enough. Yeah. This, 
again, this was an introduction to the character, and I'm really excited to see what they have in store with her. And maybe this is just me carrying over my my sorrow and woe from how little we got of Sienna Khan, but I am really excited to have this character and to see how that dynamic is going to work with the way things are escalating in Atlas. Katie? What I really appreciate about this scene is that we got to see a little bit of Robin before the conversation with Clover started, and we got to see a little bit of her after. So the entire introduction to her wasn't framed just in this conversation where they're playing games, they're both getting frustrated, they're not on the same page, they can't be, you know, classified military operation. So I appreciate that we got a little more from her, And I appreciate that we really got a good look at her character. I mean, we had half an introduction from Forrest to begin with about the whole happy huntresses, etc., etc. But actually seeing her in action and seeing that there are actions behind those words and that she actually does believe what she's saying, like, I really appreciated that. And you can also see that she absolutely has a point, like... She doesn't have the information for what the plan is. And boy, it looks really suspicious that all of these materials are going to the pet project of the man in charge because no one knows that it's a project to reestablish global communications. So it just looks like, well, Mantle doesn't get the tech security updates that it needs. Uh, Mantle has the poorer citizens and is looked down upon by Atlas. And now we have the construction supplies that are supposed to go to Mantle to help protect them from Grimm going up here where the, you know, muckety-mucks are. Really? Like, you can see her point, and I appreciate that they present it that way. Like, we've been presented with a well-rounded, reasonable character who is working against our characters currently, but who we're definitely rooting for because fuck Jokshni. Seriously. Ah! We're going to get to that for sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm also wondering whether or not the, the camouflage that they had employed, whether that was someone's semblance at work, or if that's like just super awesome Atlas tech that they have at their disposal. You, you bring up a good point that I forgot to mention. When uh, she extended her hand and asked for like a real explanation, I think that might have been the first step of her semblance. Ooh. Oh, that's possible. I also, to answer your question, I think it's probably tech because finding two people in the same area with the same semblance, both willing to join your cause, are kind of long odds. Well, that didn't necessarily mean that they had the semblance. Maybe one of the two of them had the semblance to hide them and dropped it. It's also possible that Robin has a semblance very similar to Emerald's. Yeah. Where she can, yeah, she can alter people's perceptions. She's just a lot more subtle about it. But um, it would explain why Penny was able, you know, granted, it might also tech wise, uh, this would be an explanation, but it, specifically if it was a semblance meant to alter someone's um, human perception, that it would explain why Penny was just like, hey, cut it out. <laughs> Pretty please. <laughs> well, she also has like, she can read bio signs. Oh, like, yeah, she, for sure. She has, she can have. Uh, a lot of different types of vision 
that yeah. other people don't. No, that could have just been uh, Penny's infrared being like, mm-hmm. hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Something's not right this here. This is a miss. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I can see where you're hiding those people. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a great introduction, and I'm really excited to get more from this character. Do we have any final thoughts on Robin Hill before we move on? Nah. All right. Let's go ahead and hop back into the danger zone or, you know, danger room, whatever, whatever they call it in uh, Atlas. <laughs> um, we hop back into the danger room where Winter and Weiss are at. And Mark, if you don't mind, before we talk about before we get into Schnee family time, I do really quickly want to hop back into Conspiracy Corner and propose a question to you guys. Go I'm going to hop hop off the shelf Ooh. here. Okay. Moving on over. <laughs> uh, I appreciated the foley. <laughs> uh, Mark, you, you're not concerned about uh, catching my cold, are you? Oh, don't worry. I'm, I'm much more infected. <laughs> okay. Good to hear. Good to I've, hear. I've been coming off of a sickness for like the past two weeks. Thank God for Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, that's okay. We can be quarantined together over here for a minute. Yeah, I ain't worried about <laughs> it. <laughs> um, so, danger room. This is a room presenting holographic uh, obstacles and cool things. And as our two sisters are talking, you know, we get a great shot of the emblem of Atlas Academy, which is the Staff of Creation. Now, hear me out. What if... Later on this season, somebody busts out the Staff of Creation here in the Danger Room. And in a very Star Trek Next Generation holodeck going haywire, they use the the Staff of Creation to basically bring this holodeck Danger Room and all of the obstacles that it it can manifest Uh what if it makes them real and uh, puts them throughout the entire academy? Uh, I I like the idea. I like where your head's at. You're you're getting real conspiracy, and I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> thank you for coming down off the shelf because it was my my neck was cricking pretty hard. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, w- welcome to the Eddie Rivas Memorial Bar. May he rest in peace. <laughs> what? <laughs> I I don't know. It just, he died. It just, it no! fell out of my mouth. And this is supposed to be a kids movie. It just fell out of my fell out of my mouth. But <laughs> uh I I don't like we don't know the rules of the staff. <gasps> so that's the only thing that's keeping me like as opposed to like full on agreeing with you. But I think it would be more I think somebody could hijack the hijack the danger room. But I don't know if using the staff could necessarily alter, because then you can why, who's <laughs> who's so boring and pragmatic that they're just gonna <laughs> use cubes instead of like Green Lantern, like OG Alan Scott Green Lanterning up some sort of like shapes and like bird cages and boxing gloves or like you know actual things as opposed to just geometric prisms. I just want my Star Trek holodeck going crazy episode and having Team Ruby to fight Moriarty. That's, that's ultimately what I want. <laughs> wasn't technically like the Jin backstory a holodeck episode? Yes. yes. Yes, it was. But specifically, I want Team Ruby to fight Moriarty. 
It's not a thing that's going to happen. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Um, And let's be real. Anybody who gets their hands on the staff of creation, we've got more more pressing things to worry about. But I do, I mean, the way you put it, Mark, somebody hacking into the danger room, uh, Watts definitely has some hacking skills. And again, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode where I'm going to step back here into Conspiracy Corner. And um, as we yeah. established in the last episode, he's in. Yup. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anybody have any other thoughts on the danger room or just cool uh, cool training sequences that happened in this episode before we actually talk about the sisters? I love it and I can't wait to see it go wrong. Stacy. Yes, <laughs> Okay, cool. Let's get to Weiss and Winter. And this is something that is, this is really cool. Like, we get to see their summons fight each other. That's, you know, granted, it's just sparring. It's just for practice. But, like, remember when all Weiss could summon was the the arm of the suit of armor? Like, our curls have come a long way. Um, And, yeah, so what, what did we think of this fun... Uh, sparring scene. Let's go ahead and start with Katie. I appreciated that, especially since it came on the heels of that bit during the montage where she's showing Winter what she can do now and looking for her sister's approval. I appreciate that we have this on the heels of that and Winter's comments about, yeah, you still have those sloppy bits in your style, but you've made them your own and you've made them work for you. And I appreciate that Winter can see that in her instead of saying, oh, fix them. Like, it was good. Stacy. It always strikes me as so interesting that, yeah, Weiss is the one who still has the sloppy bits of style that she's affected to make her own. But their, their forms are super interesting to me because winter's is the much more primal kind of wild you know grim apparition whereas weiss wields you know a knight in shining armor which is her very reform like very refined um kind of subdued self that she had grown up as but their fighting styles are almost the complete opposite so watching them practice against each other and seeing those kind of contradicting forms and styles play made it for a really fun scene yeah weiss has always been very regal and very graceful so it is funny to see um her older sister be like you're still really sloppy <laughs> mark what did you think it I, I agree stacy i think it's more of a sign of how in control winter is by having this primal beast in such a such a control and I really want to see, sort of how we saw with the original white trailer, the origins of this night, as as well as the the manga. I want to see where if if this is like Winter's greatest enemy that she had at one point of her life, what happened? What made <laughs> this specific Beowulf the one that she had such a vendetta and made such an imprint on her life that she decided to call upon it as an ally? I think that's very interesting. And without saying too much of what I'm going to say in the next segment, we better get to that because it doesn't seem like we got a lot of time with winter left. But uh, I, I, I really enjoyed this scene. It, it was a it was a wonderful 
Uh, we I, any scene with Weiss and and Winter is a gift, especially for people that have siblings, because I think it's one of the more real representations of siblinghood in cartoons. I concur. And not to mention, it's always just nice getting to hear Elizabeth Maxwell perform. And I feel like her performance as Winter this entire season so far has just been absolutely stellar. And it's it's so nice having Winter back in this show, for sure. Um, although, Mark, uh, you have offended my sensibilities with the thing that you just said. <laughs> um, and on that Deep note... Deep in the corner. <laughs> on that note, um, let's segue over to, you know, Weiss um, kind of asserts that maybe Winter is being kept in the dark by Ironwood, and Winter decides to go, you know what, uh, you better come take a look at this. And this is when we finally get to meet the Winter Maiden, and we find out that literally Winter is the only person the Winter Maiden has been able to make contact with um, for... Uh, we don't know how long, but basically they've isolated the Winter Maiden and made Winter her only point of contact so that ultimately when when she dies, the powers will most likely be passed on to Winter. And Weiss has mixed feelings about that, but Winter, even though initially also having mixed feelings, seems to be at peace with it. And what did we think of winter being willing to take on the mantle at, in the same way that Pira was uh mark it sounds like you think that this is a major death flag for winter as a character uh would you like to elaborate on that oh yeah i i've talked about it before like this this uh sort of flipped up my theory that the winter maiden was going to be mama Shnee, and and that's fine i love the allusion to more Norse mythology, uh, her name being Freya, is a, a wonderful nod. And uh, But ultimately, one of the early expectations of the series, or, or at least in, once we had the, the maiden, the concept of the maiden introduced to us, was that before the end of the show, as a whole, we're going to have all of our main protagonists as, as maidens. And as of right now, we only know that death, or the gross, creepy Frankenstein way, uh, is the only way to really transfer the maiden powers. And so with that, yeah, if it if it ends up being winter, then how else is Weiss going to get those powers, you know? So it's, you know, I, I'm... I they've presented this expectation and I fully I'm I'm fully confident with the writing staff and the creative team to figure out a way to not just widespread kill everybody in order for like cuz Raven bad mom 100% we've talked about it ad infinitum but I'm like if she has a little bit of a redemption story you know you you want to still you still want that figure to be there for for the for our characters winter you want her to be there for weiss and whom whomstever and i think that also lead could also lead to some sort of a change in cinder if 
somehow we're going to have all of our protagonists with the powers, something has to happen with her in order to cause her attention to push back to either Blake or Ruby at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I'm yeah, there's a death flag, but I'm fully confident that the writers can figure something creative out, even if it's like anime cheesy. I don't I don't want like you just said it's great to hear Elizabeth back on the show. I don't I don't want I, I don't expect it to be soon, but I don't want that to end regardless cuz it eh, I, I'm not going to say that it feels cheap, but I I think that there's a better way than just well, we we said that killing would that them dying would do it. Well, it's funny Mark that you mentioned the the kind of creepy Frankenstein way because if you look in the hospital room, they actually do have a, one of those chambers mm. just up against the wall, I guess in case they need it, because that technology did come from Atlas. I wonder if it was a first resort, and then they saw how inhumane it was. I mean, maybe. Like, after the thing that happened with Pyrrha, they were just like, oh, flip, we... I don't like they had the room ready and they're like, well, this is the room. And it's like, well, can somebody put like a tasteful fern in one of the pods just so that <laughs> it looks like it's just aerating the, the plant or something? Because this is this is too grimdark. Well, I mean, it's in the room with the Winter Maiden, with Freya. Ooh. So, I mean, ultimately, we look at that as like maybe in the event of an emergency they're like uh in case there's no time and we really super need this it's here just in case in case of emergency use tube oh uh stacy just don't break the glass we've seen what happens when that happens <laughs> stacy what did you think i mean is that is it possible she they could have been keeping her kind of in a suspended animation type situation until winter agreed to the terms perhaps i mean except that hey she deserves to like actually live out the last of her life i mean that is possible because that's what they were doing with amber and Mm -hmm. i mean they did make the point uh you know weiss made the point of saying he's basically groomed your entire military career so it's entirely possible that Ironwood, as soon as Winter graduated, was like, you know what? She's probably, she's the number one candidate. And they were just sort of keeping Freya in stasis. And they were like, well, maybe we're going to see. And like waiting winter until Winter got older or waiting for her to prove herself. And then the fall of Beacon happened. And they were like, oh, uh, we can't wait anymore. <laughs> Ironwood just looked at her and went, long. she's aptly named. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine, probably. I think I'll grow a beard now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the whole. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I mean, the whole situation is it screams Ironwood, though. I mean, especially after what we learned about Penny being encouraged not to have friends. There's this old lady. We're going to make her comfortable in the last days of her life, but she can only interact with one human being. I was very good at social. <laughs> very good. Just she understands human needs. Just like, does she have a family? Do they know where she is? Is this? I, I, I have concerns. Ironwood care. 
I feel like the less questions we ask about that, the happier we'll be. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so Katie, yeah, it, I'm guessing that's your take on it is like, ah, this is cruel and inhumane. Yeah, my take on it is this is a little creepy. Um, we don't, with the exception of Raven, we don't really get to see how maidens live their lives once they become maidens. We saw Amber traveling the road alone and getting accosted. And we've seen Freya in essentially an observation room. Like, so we don't really get to see how they live their lives. Do they just distance themselves from everyone because people can't know that magic exists in the world and it makes them a target and it makes everyone around them a target? Like, we also saw that Maria, having silver eyes, straight up made her a target because it's outside of the norm. Like, we don't really get to see how maidens live their lives, with the exception of Raven, who was straight up using Vernal as a front. So it's... She could be alone. Who knows? She could be distanced from everyone. She could have no family. Or she could have, like, eight grandkids who are all wondering where grandma is. Like, Aww. we don't know. And that's what makes this horrifying. There's this lack of humanity in some of the things that Ironwood does. And you know, lol, he's the tin man. He doesn't have a heart. It's not that simple. But I really do think it's this lack of understanding for soft skills, for charisma, for love, for friendship, that's really gonna come and bite him in the ass because those things are necessary and he, it's a character flaw. He doesn't get it. I would disagree with that. I don't think it's that he doesn't get it. I think he's just the type of person to where his personal emotions, including those feelings of guilt, in his mind come second to the quote-unquote greater good. He's not unfeeling. He's just made the decision that his feelings don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, that's my take anyway. Um, yeah, I kind of have to concur with everything you guys have all said. I, I feel like winter, you know, we're we're slowly inching towards uh, all of our our main four girls getting those maiden powers, but yeah, I'm hoping Mark. I, I'm hoping it's what you were saying, where like maybe our maybe Raven and Winter could like willingly pass powers over to to our girls without having to die. <laughs> that would be super. Yeah. Uh, but you know this this wonderful. Ultimately, the scene resolves with like. Winter being like, this is a thing that I'm choosing to do because this, I, I don't like she doesn't feel like she was manipulated into it, even though it's very easy to see it that way. She's like, no, the choice is mine and I can choose to use this as an opportunity to make Atlas a better place and that's to make the, the world a better place. And that's what I'm going to do. So I really appreciated the way the scene wrapped up right before Papa Schnee had to go and ruin it. And so basically Papa Schnee gets on TV and is basically holding the country ransom to be like, well, yeah, because of Ironwood, I had to close down all these shops. But if you vote for me, I'll be able to fix it and take care of it so that you guys can get your livelihoods back. He's, this is extortion on like a major level. 
And so, yeah, the our, our poor girls are like, oh, well, this is the spark that lights our country on fire. Uh, what did we think of how this episode sort of ended on a cliffhanger? Let's go ahead and start with uh, Katie. Like I said, it's the rare and exciting Ruby episode that gets me to yell fuck you at the ending. So this definitely did it. It's like we were having such a good time and then you showed up. Go get some coffee with cream or something because let me tell you something. This is a happy place. Like just uh, entire freakazoid monologue of which I only know parts. Just yikes. Yikes. I feel like this is, and this is going to be super real life painful for a lot of people, but um, this is the sort of thing where had 2016 gone a little differently, we'd be looking at this and going, a venture capitalist trying to get into politics. Wow, that's really sleazy, but they won't really vote for him, really. But given that American presidential elections went the way they did, I can't help but look at this and be terrified, because even though it's fictional, it still feels like history repeating. And I don't like that. Like, I trust this writing team, I trust this creative team, but I am also just real worried about this shit, especially since we know that Jock has Watts in his pocket. Or vice versa, really. Either way, I don't like it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and use this opportunity to step back on into Conspiracy Corner. Uh, Watts is a hacker. I feel like he's going to hack the election. And on that note, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, Stacy, what did you think of this whole thing? This is the absolute most horrifying type of power play. And I agree with Katie, it kind of resonates real hard. And the fact that like, the people of Mantle can see what he's doing, and I'm sure a good amount of them will see what he's doing, but what can you do about it? He is essentially forcing his way into being the only option for many of them to continue their livelihoods, and is twisting things in such a way that... Real dick move. <laughs> yeah. Just... Yeah. Oh, it's horrifying. <laughs> Absolutely horrifying. But it's it's effective. That was the best summation I think anybody could, <laughs> could possibly make about the current situation. Uh, Mark, any thoughts? This asshole. <laughs> I, no. I think we're, we're looking at us. I agree. There's definitely a mirror here. But in marking that similarity... We're all sitting here, and I was when I rewatched this episode. I was like, everybody can hear how much of it's. This is just dripping with BS. Can't like, can't everybody hear that? And as we've experienced, not everybody hears it. People hear. Sometimes people go, "Well, finally, somebody's saying something," and they're. I I hope. I mean, we'll probably encounter some of those people, but um. I think in terms of a prediction for what this election is going to hold, I think we might see some deep fakes. I think we oh. might see some Robin Hill deep fakes where she says something and it's just something that Watts put together on a lazy Sunday. But um, 
just what just dripping with garbage and yet like people we don't know what the people were reacting to to be fair we did see the guy trying to go to work and then throw the garbage can through and yes a riot was starting but we don't necessarily know if that's people going yeah ironwood ironwood's to blame or oh that schnee dust company like it it might just be a freeform riot and some people are going to find out that they're rioting for different reasons and then it's going to turn uh, take a completely different turn and so i i think it was a very interesting note to end the episode on and we also have to add on top of that part of the situation that's happening is Tyrion is killing people who are opposing Ironwood. So, again, it's not known that it's Tyrion that's doing this, aside from, you know, on this side of the fourth wall. But that's another factor, is the company has closed a lot of its doors, people are out of their jobs, and now people who dissent against Ironwood are being mysteriously killed? Like, it's just a very bad situation, and honestly, you don't have to do much to manufacture it. Just move a couple of pieces and bump a couple of other ones over. Honestly, and I'm going to uh, take a little foray into the conspiracy corner here, <laughs> um, I think that if Jacques, if he loses or if he wins, doesn't really matter what for the council seat, he's also someone who is opposing Ironwood, and him turning up dead after making a big speech Ooh. about opposing Ironwood, imagine the shock that would go through that country, for good or for ill, someone very publicly opposed your, the leader and turned up dead the next day. And for better or for worse, he is a massive public figure. And then who's left to inherit the company? Shitley? He wouldn't know how to run that company. Well, Who, who's there to do it? Who says that he actually has to die? What if the deep fake is faking his death so that the country goes into an uproar and he sort of runs the runs the company and the country from behind Whitley? Because Watts doesn't have it in him to kill his own brother. Oh, Thank God you. <laughs> Married. <There it> is. <laughs> uh, Two very conflicting ideas. <laughs> Stacy, do you want to hop off the shipping shelf real quick and come join us in Conspiracy Corner? I'm pretty sure Watts oh, would yeah. absolutely murder his own brother. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Of course he would. He would probably oh, then make a human puppet out of him. <laughs> without hesitation. I don't think Watts actually needs him to run things from behind the shadows. Yeah, no, for, for sure. I think he could quietly off him and continue running things under his name and get away with it for an extended period of time. Also, if Watts is indeed a Frankenstein analog, his mentality might be like, of course I'll kill him, but it'll be fine. I'll bring him back. <laughs> it's no big. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's going to unleash the true monster here, right? With she? It's just... The, the true monster. Political unrest. <laughs> I mean... I mean... <laughs> Um, okay, I'm I'm starting to lose my voice um, for <laughs> almost completely. Um, do we have any final thoughts on uh, this episode? Uh, let Let's go ahead and start with Mark. Final thoughts. Congrats to the Kruby. Seriously, like we we've say we've said a version of this every single episode, but what th this season is looking to be like a real achievement. The ever since the reset for season four, that 
they they were sort of finding their groove and this is i think last season was great and not to say that the other seasons were good too but i think this one season 7 is is pure groove in terms of writing lighting voice acting character work everything i think season 7 is pure groove and we have nowhere to go but up from here stacy 100% agree with you mark absolutely brilliant stuff this season uh however now i am down in the conspiracy corner <laughs> so let me just say after after mark's whole winter uh death bells i do think that we may see our first main for winter maiden or maiden as the Winter Maiden, I don't think that Winter is ever going to get the powers. I think that her entire acceptance of all of this is basically the, okay, so you're on board with this, now you don't get it. Uh, I think things are going to come to a head very abruptly at some point, and we are going to need to basically race to the winter maiden side and whether that's against watts's people and you know our our girls weiss knows how to get there now yeah what if what if the riots just overtake and they start infiltrating the main system and winter is wrapped up in something and weiss goes mm-hmm. and saves her life and that's the that's the transfer she's the last one she sees out, just out of sheer necessity, out of the heat of the moment kind mm. of thing. And there Stacey, we are. Stacey, you're a mad genius. See, Megan, mm-hmm. like this. This is the sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, your lead host has expired. Goodbye. All conspiracies are valid. I, Starscream, are now the lead host of the... Nah, I got nothing there. Um, Not a crazy enough voice. I have been enjoying the hell out of this season, and we're on episode five. We are looking at anywhere between eight and 13 more episodes, depending on just how crazy we're planning on getting with this season. So we're still in the first third. Anything could happen. All of the pieces are in place, and now it's just a matter of watching the fallout, and I am so excited. This is going to be a season that is real good to watch as a movie. Like, I'm, I'm just very excited and also terrified by all of this. Are you back from the dead? Would you like to close us out? Yes, I, I, um, Watts used a defibrillator, so I'm good. Ah! Why was he in our house? <laughs> he just let himself in. Um, sure. The, uh, he can get in anywhere he wants. But the, anyway, um, yeah, I, I have to concur with all of the assessments. Yeah, this season and last season play very, very well as movies. And the the previous, um, like, seasons four and five play really good as, you know, a web series that you watch from week to week. This season and last season are really shaping up to be, like, cinematic experiences. And it's it's just been a joy seeing the show grow and develop. And even though I think we've always loved Ruby, it has been remarkable watching the caliber of the show improve year after year. And yeah, we are we are in an entirely different level than we were a couple of years ago. And it's it's phenomenal. And so the crew has a lot to be proud of. 
Um, so yeah, just all in all, great episode. Great job as always, Kruby. And uh, yeah, I think I'm going to wrap it up before I die. Uh, Mark, where can people go if they want to find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at what? Mark Budonica. Um, I also wanted to throw this out there for a theory of who uh, Cobalt represents. Um, I think he represents the Eiffel 65 song, I'm Blue. Anyway, <laughs> you can follow me there and also check out uh, Let's Play Family Form, which we did last week. Um, my wife and I reviewed the Achievement Hunter musical, and that was a whole lot of fun. We're looking. Uh, I want to thank everybody for their su- suggestions for more Achievement Hunter and Let's Play Family stuff to talk about. It was recently the third anniversary of Uno the movie, and I want to try to figure out something fun to do with that even though it's three hours of them playing uno but eh, here's looking at you other than that (laughs) um check out party of two pod that's where my wife and i talk about theme parks and uh this past week uh we talked about the implications of autopia and how there seems to be an a movement from inside the company to just do away with autopia and we talk about why that's a bad idea, what they can do to improve it, and really future-proof something that didn't seem future-proof before. Stacy, I'm Stacey Shuttle. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stacy Shuttles. Uh, right now we're gearing up for some new cosplay over the winter holidays and winter season, especially with this new movie season and Frozen 2, so you can follow the journey on uh, Twitter and Instagram there. Katie? I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reaction videos to these episodes, other Rooster Teeth properties, and various and sundry things, you can find them all on that YouTube channel. And once again, I'm your sultry host, Megan Salinas. And you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N. G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams. And this started out as a bit, and legitimately I can't talk anymore. <laughs> um, be sure to follow the whole team at the Rooster Team uh, on Twitter. Uh, join our Discord. Check out our Tee Public page. Especially now, sorry, I know you're wrapping out, but especially check out our Tee Public right now because there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of sales leading up to the to Christmas. Yep, get get a jump on your holiday shopping, guys. It's going to be awesome. Um, so thank you guys all so, so much for listening. Thank you all for your support. You guys are the absolute best. Uh, so this has been Ruby Redux and it's time to say goodbye. <laughs>